Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. There's nothing worse than going to work and having your boss look over your shoulder. <laughs> but I have a, a complaint. John at the back, I've got a complaint. Why was there no translation with Mervyn at the start? I couldn't understand a word he said. And another thing, could we take that trickler down from the side of that? <laughs> I come from East Belfast, and when I went out to Portugal... <laughs> what's funny about that? <laughs> When I went out to Portugal, um, one, of my, one of my fears coming away from family and friends was going to be that I was going to get homesick. And then when I got there, I realized my next door neighbor who I work with was from Limerick. And so every 11th and 12th, he allows me to throw stones at him. It's an amazing <laughs> thing. Well, my name's Glenn Bowden. I work in the Algarve. It's a hard life. Um, I worked for 12 years in Newton Breda Baptist Church beforehand as the youth pastor. Most youth pastors only last three. I lasted 12. I had also worked with Freddie McLaughlin. I'm sure a lot of people know him. He used to laugh. He used to say, everybody loves my jokes, but they were actually called sermons. It's funny. <laughs> but I worked with a lot of young people there, and it's amazing now that a lot of these young people that I served and worked with over the years, are now coming out to Portugal and helping us with our, our mission teams and our, and our camps that we run out there. I'm even now getting young people asking me, could I marry them? Not actually marry them, but actually marry them. And so, <laughs> awkward. And so, uh, that's amazing. The only thing is, I hate weddings. I hate them. Because as a single man, yes, ladies, I'm single. <laughs> as a single man... You always have old people at weddings poking you. Isn't that right? Going, you're next, you're next. So I get my own back. I go to funerals. <laughs> I... So. Listen, I'm so thankful to be here tonight. But let me tell you a story about the German Coast Guard. There was a German Coast Guard officer and he got a trainee. And they're standing there in the radar room. When the, the Coast Guard, uh, the manager of the, uh, of the Coast Guard, got caught short, and he told the trainee he's going to have to man um, all the radars and all the walkie-talkies and all the things that are in a radar room. So he goes off to the bathroom. When all of a sudden, over the tannoid, he heard this voice going, Attention, attention, we are sinking, we are sinking. <gasps> Freaked out. Didn't know what to do. Yet again, over the tannoid. Attention, attention, we are sinking, we are sinking. So this young trainee pulled his chair up against the mic, stood in front of the mic, switched it on and says, Hello, this is the German Coast Guard. What are you sinking about? <laughs> the reason why I say that is, it is so important it's so important that we have mission on our radar screen. It is so important to have mission on our radar screen. I work in Europe, and we've just heard some stories about Europe. Places like Spain, 45 million people 
Point five, claiming to be evangelical Christians. France, 65 million, less than point five, claiming to be evangelical Christians. And Portugal, 11 million, less than point five, claiming to be evangelical Christians, whatever that means. And so when you actually look at Europe, you realize that it is desolate when it comes to spirituality. Our young people, the young people that I work with, go to schools with hundreds of other young people, and maybe they're the only Christian in the whole school. And this is what's happened, um, especially in places like Portugal, Spain, France. Um, a lot of them um, went along to the Catholic Church, but a lot of them now are leaving there in their droves, only to find consumerism as their new God. If you go along to the malls on Sunday in Portugal or in Faro, um, they are packed out packed out with people because the mall has become their new church. And so when Jesus talks about the fields are ready unto harvest, they really are. But the question is, who will go? You could drive for hundreds of miles and not see one church. Here's the problem with places like Portugal. Here's the problem with places like Europe. They became holiday destinations. Somewhere to go when we're tired and we have a few weeks off work. They're not seen as a mission field. Nine years ago, um, as a church in Newton Breda, we started um, to get involved in mission. What I realized was we were doing camps, we were doing all these different events, um, but what I realized was that these kids, um, when they came back from the mission field, when they went and did things like beach missions and all the things that there was on offer, there was something different about them. They had changed. And so nine years ago, we decided um, alongside the church, the International Church in the Algarve that we would start up Camp Sunshine. Um, and so for nine years, we had an opportunity to get involved in young people's work and kids' work there in the Algarve. Put up your hands if you were a Christian before 18 years of age. If you just look around the room and look at the amount of people with their hands up, the room is filled, three quarters filled with people who were saved before they were 18 years of age. And if you're a pastor here tonight, let me encourage you to put a lot more resources into your kids' work and your youth work because it makes all the difference. Um, but we have an amazing opportunity with our camps during the summer months um, to impact hundreds of kids that come from so many different nationalities. In fact, last year we did a count and there was 12 different nationalities at our camps. In fact, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the most amazing thing about the Algarve is the world comes to us. And so the most amazing thing from this is the overflow of uh, young people now becoming Christians and coming along, to our, coming along to our youth club and they get teaching, they grow in their faith. And so please continue to pray for that as we work alongside uh, many young people from very many difficult backgrounds with so many difficult issues in their lives. Kids like, hold on if I got this clicker. Okay. These are on the wrong way. That's fine. Um, kids like Hugo. Um, Hugo was one of these kids that came just last year. He came this year as well. But what Hugo does all day is just run around and hugging people. And it's not just a normal hug. Um, you can actually feel your lungs starting to collapse. 
Um, and so, but the most amazing thing is about Hugo is you, you sit back and you try to, why does this kid constantly do this? Then you realize that Hugo comes from an orphanage. And in that orphanage, especially in the Algarve, and especially in Portugal, they're so undermanned, so underbudgeted, that there's no one to hug Hugo. And so this week, or these two weeks, or whatever he comes to, a camps makes all the difference in Hugo's life. We have an opportunity to tell Hugo about Jesus and Jesus' love for him. Or maybe there's kids like Reuben. Now, when Reuben, um, last year especially, always had a bit of a negative attitude towards our older male leaders. And then when you realize that, she, that he comes from a very difficult home, in fact, he has been brought along to our camp from, by the Salvation Army. I remember the first day they all appeared, there was a few of them appeared, and they just had a little plastic bag between all of them. And you wonder why, Hugo, why, why Reuben's struggling so much um, with, this, with the senior male leaders. And then you find out a bit about his story to realize that his dad is a drunk and beats him most days. And so this is the sort of kids that we're actually dealing with. Okay, great. And so there's so much evidence of brokenness in these kids' lives, not just the events that we organize throughout the year, but also, um, so also on a weekly basis. We decided to do an event um, within our camp, and it was called Cross the Room. In fact, the whole thing was called If You Only Knew Me. And so we asked all our kids, over 100 of these young people, to come and stand at one side of the room. And we're going to ask them questions. And when we ask them a question, if that applied to their life, we want them to cross the room and then cross back again. And so we asked them different questions. Have you ever felt unloved? All over 100 young people crossed the room and went back again. Do you ever feel unwanted? The majority, probably 90%, crossed the room and came back again. Right up to things like, have you ever self-harmed? Probably half the room crossed. Right up to things like, have you ever felt like taking your own life? And it was just heartbreaking to see the amount of young people crossing the room time and time again. And this is the world that we live in. But there is hope. And I really believe that our camps are making a difference in people's life. Young people like Anna, who came along to our camp. And the following year, when she was applying for camp, her father wanted to speak to me. And he was quite a big man. He was Portuguese. And usually Portuguese are quite small. He was quite big. And he wanted to speak to me. He says, my daughter came to your camp last year. And I was concerned about you brainwashing her. And Paul pointing fingers and things like this. I'm Miss Belfast. Take that. And I said to him, then why are you bringing your daughter back this year? He says, because she came back and she told us all about the love of Jesus. And now me, my wife, and her younger brother have become Christians. In fact, I've just become a deacon in my church. And so there's so much hope and there's so much um, fruit from what, for what we're putting in. And you know what? It's just small victories. It's small victories that we're looking for. Maybe there's not thousands of people coming to the Lord, but I really believe that God is moving. And I was just sitting thinking, when I was thinking about people like Anna, and I was thinking about there's the Apostle Paul, the persecutor of the church, all of a sudden gets his eyes open to the grace and the love of God and to knowing Jesus. And so he has his conversion. And then a lot of people, even some of, even some of the, the, the Christians 
were doubting who he was. And so they needed to get him out of the city. So what they did was they put him in a basket. Some men got together, got a basket and a large rope, put him in it, and lowered him down the side of the city walls. And do you know what I was thinking about? They had no clue. No clue who was in their basket. And so for those people here who work with young people and work with kids, sometimes even difficult ones, you don't know who's in your basket. They didn't know who was in their basket, that a man was going to go on to write three quarters of the New Testament and impact a world. So our God has got a plan. Our God is at work in the Algarve. I work for an international church um, um, with a team of people, um, Mark and Judith, Barry and Mikhail, and it's just fantastic to see what God's doing there in the international church and the plans that God has for that place. And, 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 and every time you go into somewhere like Portugal and you look at how vast, how vast the work actually is, or places like France or places like Spain, what you need to realize is that we've got a big God who wants to do big things. We heard about that last night. And I love Isaiah 43 and 19. It says this, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And God is at work. Right now in the Church of the Algarve, we have got, um, this, is, this is actually an aerial view of, of our site. And um, what we're going to be doing now is, this, this is going to be ready in October, we're going to be having a coffee shop. Um, we're going to be trying to start up a youth center. Mark's probably sitting there thinking, he's here tonight actually. Youth center, can't remember that being mentioned. It just came to me. And so, <laughs> maybe even an orphanage. Um, there's so much, so much possibilities. Um, to do amazing and great things for our God. And what I realized was last night, I thought I was a visionary. Anybody come last night? Nobody came last night? Well, I came last night, and I, I listened to even someone like Isaiah and what they were going to be doing and how they trained up 52,000 people in India and sent them out. And I just thought to myself, I'm not dreaming big enough. I'm going to have to step up my game. Because eventually, what I would love to do also is start a Bible school. Because I really believe that if these young people are going to get saved, that these young people are going to grow in the love and the knowledge of who Jesus is, then we can train them up and send them out right across the Algarve, right across Portugal. We get an international Bible college, maybe France, maybe Spain. Because we need to reach these people with the gospel. I was, years ago, I used to, be, um, used to have to sit and watch Westerns. I didn't really want to watch Westerns. My dad made me watch them. I'm just going to drink some water. As a Baptist, what I've noticed is Presbyterian cups don't have as much water in them. <laughs> just, just a wee sideline. But I, I used to watch Westerns with my dad, and one thing I noticed about Westerns was um, to, take the, to take the Wild West to move forward into the land, what would happen is they would have some skirmishes and all with the Red Indians and then they'd move forward and they would set up an outpost. They would set up an outpost. And I was thinking about this in Deuteronomy 1 and 21. It says this, See the Lord your God has given you, has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord your God of your ancestors have told you. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And so what they would do is they would move forward into the land and they would set up an outpost. And then they would move forward into the land, take the land and set up another outpost. And I really believe that we are called to be outposts. There in the Algarve, we're called to be an outpost. You and wherever you're based and wherever you are, you're called to be an outpost. I remember hearing a story of an old woman, an old bag lady, who ventured into Macy's in New York. And she walked in. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. It's one of those places you go in and you look at the price tag and you're like, oh, I'm out of here. And so she dandered into one of those shops. And it was filled with all these beautiful and fine garments. And she started touching them and looking at them. And a few of the, the, the assistants were freaking out. They couldn't believe it. Here's this wee grubby woman with two silver drain pipes coming down her nose, wee grubby hands touching these fine, expensive garments. So they got the manageress. Now, this woman was watching all what was going on um, with this bag lady, and she's seen the manageress coming over, and she was so, this is awkward, this is what's going to happen? And here comes this, this beautiful manageress with her hair in a bun, beautiful clothes, and a pearl necklace, came over to this old bag lady, this old, dirty, filthy bag lady. And she said to her, can I help you? The bag lady backed away, knowing what the woman was really saying to her. She says, no, 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 can I help you? Maybe would you like to try them on some of these garments? So she starts taking things off the reel. I think that'll fit you. Come on on in, called over the assistants and said, could you get this woman a coffee and biscuits? And took this woman out the back to try on these garments. This woman who was watching this whole thing had never seen anything like it. And so she wanted to wait around to the very end to see what would happen, and also as an opportunity to speak to this manageress. And so what happened was, after the bag lady had finished trying on the clothes, drank her coffee, at the biscuits, she left, of course, not buying anything. And so this lady went up to the manageress and says, I've never seen customer service like this. It is unbelievable. Your boss must be so amazed by who you are as a person. She says, I don't do this for my boss. She says, as a Christian, I do this for my king. And so wherever you're at, whether you go to Portugal or whether you go to France or Spain or India, wherever you go, if you can't reach the people around you here, you're never going to be able to do it there. And we don't need all these resources. It's only a matter of walking across the street or talking to the person who's next to us or speaking to one of our colleagues in work. But just remember, as I finish, that we, it's so important that we make the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. That's what we read in Ephesians 5 and 16. It's so important. There's a dying world outside those doors, and you need to go out and you need to reach it. You have to be God's hands and his feet. So with that, I pray that you will go out and you will make a difference for God's kingdom. Thank you for listening. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org/donate.